Welcome to the Psychedelic Integration Podcast. I'm Sinclair Fleetwood, your psychedelic life coach, and I teach you how to connect with your soul mission, follow your heart, and make lasting changes in your life by creating a sacred spiritual partnership with plant medicines. Learn easy tools, tips, and integration strategies that will demystify the psychedelic renaissance and open the way for you to come back home to yourself. If I can do it, you can do it too. Find out how here. Hello, family. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Sinclair. I'm your host. And I wanted to remind you if you are interested in taking a deeper dive, getting support, and working together, you can book a free private one-on-one connection session with me. And what we do on these calls is talk about you. (laughs) We talk about where you are, what your path with medicine is, what you're wanting to get out of your experiences, how is it all going, and what kind of support do you need to get where you want to be. But ultimately, you're in charge. You're You're the leader. You're the expert on yourself. And my job is just to accompany you on the journey to be a mirror so that you can see yourself in a more true and empowered way. You can book a call with me on my website. It's SinclairFleetwood.com. You can follow the links to work with me and set up a time to connect, to chat, and to see if this work is right for you. Let's get into this episode. Thanks for being here. Hello, family. Welcome to the show. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest with me here today, Maitreya Wolf. Maitreya is a wise woman, a soul mentor, musician, mystic, earth lover, and movement artist whose deepest allegiance is to the spiritual power of beauty, the wild earth, freedom, and sovereignty for all life and the life of soul. Through her earth and soul-centered evolutionary mentoring practice, Soul Power Mentoring, she helps people learn how to transform pain into power so that they can live lives of greater connection, confidence, purpose, magic, wisdom, and passion in this most extraordinary time of human and planetary transformation. Maitreya, my sister, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Tell me, how did you find your way to this path, the path of spirituality, the path of medicine, the path of this work that you're doing? Well, I've always been what we call spiritual. I've always been attenuated to the mystery. And I've spent my life orienting my personal compass around that path. So the discovery for me was in how to live that way in a society that is constantly trying to take me somewhere else. So, you know, my first memories of communion are from my childhood, from my single digit childhood. And my first memory of full, fully dissolving into the the mystery was of something that happened when I was nine. And all of these experiences have fortified the compass that I came in with. So I've walked this path my whole life. And 
as psychedelics are concerned, I had an interesting experience when I was a teenager. I was I was living in Philadelphia and I was very, very happy there. And my mother decided that we were going to move back to uh, Boston area where I grew up. And we moved from Philadelphia to Arlington, Mass. And it was, for me, a hellacious transition out of a world of vivacity and color and art and possibility to a, a very dead end, um, very dead end and soulless space. And I rebelled against it because I'm naturally very rebellious and <laughs> self self uh, defined and autonomous. And I rebelled against it and I was like, fuck this, I'm not doing this. And I discovered that year, that first year that we lived in Arlington, I discovered LSD mm. in Harvard Square and had my first journey there. and. It was, it felt like home to me. It felt like reality to me. I was like, this is it. This is real. This is true. This is what I want. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did for many, many years. I did. I went from LSD to all kinds of other substances. And there's lots of story there, but <laughs> my, uh, my relationship with the, the other world and the, the, the deeper layers of life and the mystery in the world it, it I started that way and I found lots of support for continuing to open on that path always along the way how would you describe for people who aren't familiar with the term you know initiation <laughs> yeah. what does that mean to you I'm realizing like people might not understand fully what that means yeah and it would be different in different contexts so you could say that a basic working definition in regards to this context is any experience that reaches beyond your known capacity to respond. Mm -hmm. So any, any experience, and, and we think about it frequently through the lens of hardship, like any hardship that pushes you beyond your limits, right? But it can, you know, an initiation can also be allowing for, for pleasure or for joy. Or for well-being, being initiated into to things going well can be its own harrowing <laughs> endeavor. You know, if you've had a, if a life of hardship and trauma, then all of a sudden things going well can be really terrifying, overwhelming, beyond your beyond your capacity. But in an initiatory phase or process, you'd say you're beyond you're beyond your comfort zone. You're beyond your your known capacity you're you're pushed beyond what you believe to be your limits and it is something deeper within you that can respond in a life-giving way in a way that is um, integrating and supportive and encouraging to the journey of your life mm. I think that's really beautiful reminding us that it's not just painful experiences. I think being oriented to pain and like used to pain, we forget that you also have to have a capacity to hold joy and abundance and 
you know, the positive parts and you can only have as much of that as you're capable of holding. So if you're Mm -hmm. oriented towards pain and suffering and trauma, it can be extremely difficult to feel pleasure and to feel joy and to have any capacity to hold that. So I really like that you said that you mentioned that. So was there a specific time period in your adult life where you went through something? Mm -hmm. And um, so what was your initiation into service? Into service. That's Mm -hmm. a good qualifier. (laughs) many initiations well feel free to share any of them really (laughs) it's like a lot of the personal ones are the ones that lead us to service but it's they also sometimes don't have that connection until much later (laughs) yeah yeah I would say that I have always walked an initiatory spiritual path so to give the framework for my my life, my work, my relationship to life, I relate to life itself as an evolutionary process. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're here incarnated in, in the material as embodied beings, differentiated embodied beings for the for the evolutionary possibilities of relationship with self, with other, with life, with world. Being in that understanding now and looking back through the the scope of my experience, I can recognize that I've always been passing through thresholds and thresholds and thresholds and thresholds. And the thresholds, the initiations, they have their efficacy or entrench their difficulty based on the degree to which I show up wholeheartedly and willingly for it. You know, like it's it's hard to learn and hard to grow if you're resisting mm. the teachings and it's hard to change if you are resisting. So I've been through initiations that have been really pleasurable and I've been through initiations that have been horrendous. And there were, uh, I went through one specific initiatory portal that was long, very, very long and very, you could say the line between being annihilated by it and being initiated by it was very fine. And it was a line I consistently had to keep my eye on like a golden thread because it was a period in my life of many years when it just, there were times when it felt like life was out to get me, like something was trying to kill me. And the initiatory lens was the lens that gave me a way to walk through it that made me stronger that refined me that evolved me into a greater order of beauty and how this comes around to the question of service is that once you learn you teach Mm. you know especially if your learning is about the evolution of soul or how to move through the mystery of the embodied experience in a way that leads to evolution that leads to transformation into a greater order of magnitude or a greater order of beauty and i'm naturally a teacher i'm naturally a counselor i'm naturally um, one who can hold others in their crucible of becoming so the the initiatory path over the last few years has been to really 
get through the last of my resistance to full participation in the human endeavor so that I can help others with the wisdom that I've gained, the wisdom and the power that I've gained through relating to my experience and going through my experience in the most life-giving way I've been able to at any given moment. So what would you say is the initiatory consciousness? What does that term mean to you? Cultivating initiatory consciousness is central to my work. It's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I teach my students. And it essentially means having a lens on your experience that looks beyond the, the interpersonal narrative level of, you know, me, the personality, you, the personality, this, the situation, here's all my feelings and all your feelings and all my triggers and all your triggers. And here's what I want and all this other stuff. And going beyond that to live really in the question, what's really happening here? Mm. And especially the more the energy ramps up, you know, either in the direction of the pleasurable or the painful or any other direction, whatever direction it goes, as the energy intensifies, leaving to that question, what's actually happening here? So that you pull back the veils, essentially, to your own deeper knowing and your own deeper capacity for showing up and participating in the mystery of your life. (laughs) <laughs> it's not as heady as it sounds it, it um <laughs> i'm feeling very philosophical today um it essentially boils down to looking beyond the surface of your experience for how anything that you are sitting inside of can cultivate and refine you and really, really deeply cleaving to that, the more intense an experience gets. So, you know, for example, if a student comes to me and I, I, so right now I have this one student who's, who's struggling with extracting themselves from a very unhealthy relationship, right? It's pretty common, pretty mm-hmm. common conundrum. And when this person comes and starts saying, Oh, the other person, they do this and they do this and they do this and they do this and I do this and it feels like this and all this other stuff. The first few times we talked about it, you know, we processed all the all the interpersonal stuff. The interpersonal narrative does need to be processed and it's legitimate and it's it's real and authentic and um, significant. And then past a certain point. Past a certain point, you know, the person broke up with the abusive relationship, got back together with the abusive relationship and came back in to complain about the abusive relationship. And I said, you know, you already know the story here. You already know what this person, who they are, what they're going to do, how it's going to be. What I'm more interested in than the interpersonal dynamics that you're experiencing is why you're doing this. You, not them, but you. Why are you doing this? And I want, you know, we got into this process of every time it comes up, I I ask I ask them to just sit in the situation with the question, what's really happening here? At the deeper level, at the parts work level, you know, internal family systems, that whole mm-hmm. 
what young traumatized part of me is trying to meet what pain or trauma-based need here. And also at the mythopoetic archetypal level, what archetype are you embodying? What archetype is this person embodying? And what is the relation between these archetypes? What energies are you dealing with here? And when we when we do that, when we when we kind of disconnect the the primary gravity of our awareness from the interpersonal um, small self ego based narrative level and get into the deeper layers of our experience, then the whole process starts to open at a much greater level. And you start to come into the, the greater magnitude of your experience as a being. And, and you start to avail yourself of the evolutionary potential beyond the mind, you know, beyond just thinking like traditional talk therapy is like talk, 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 talk <laughs> about all the things and hash out the details and hash out the details. And then there's a, there's a utility to that. There's a benefit to it, but past a certain point, it's like, how do you change the pattern? How do you change the habit? How do you change the pattern? How do you change what you're doing so that you can live more in alignment with the fullness of your being? and less entangled in these levels of mm -hmm. fleeting experience. So the initiatory lens is where this comes in, is, you know, looking at this experience through the lens of how does this demand that I evolve so that I can meet this in a life-giving way, so that I can change the story and change the trajectory. Um sitting here sort of amazed because the way that you're describing this process and your process with your your students it's so similar to how I do my coaching work and it's it's so aligned and like parallel and the way that you describe it is so beautiful and it's a different it's a different description but the process is the same. And I always tell my clients, like, you know, you have to find someone that resonates with you, like that the way they describe this process, this holistic coming home to yourself, understanding that you are on a journey, you came into this lifetime to expand and evolve and rise and, you know, assimilate all of these experiences into a higher vibration. However, it's like all this, all the philosophers, all the religions, we're all talking about the same thing. We're all doing the same work and there's millions of different ways to describe it. And I haven't heard anyone speak about, you know, an initiatory consciousness. I really love that. Um, and it's so similar to the work that I do in my integration coaching containers It's really beautiful. So Let's talk about empowerment. I know okay. this, is another, <laughs> this is another big like piece that we have in common. Um, and I know you teach a lot about boundaries as well. And I feel I like those things are really related. So can yeah. you share, share a little bit about, you know, how you, how you teach and um, work with people around the art of empowerment? The art of empowerment, yeah, and the mm -hmm. art of boundaries. Those are very interrelated. Well, 
the first thing that has to be done in a teacher-student relationship is to really gain an understanding of what empowerment means to the student, you know, through the lens of what their imperatives as a being are. So coming back to, to my belief system, essentially, I believe that we are born into the human life in the third dimension to for the sake of evolving the soul on the on the path of like broad scale evolution you know we're, we're aspects of source going through a journey and refining and and increasing our dynamism through that process of journeying and so every being has a different set of imperatives for their life you know every being is here to to do something specific to that being and everybody's at different levels of evolution and they have different desires they have different challenges it's just everybody is this this whole constellation unto themselves so you know the first thing i want to know is you know what are your what are your dreams what are your visions what do you what are you inspired to do or be in your life Mm-hmm. and how to how can we feed that and how can we secure your capacity to do that well mm-hmm. you know that's one of my things is I teach uh this one workshop that I I do pretty regularly it's called the art of boundaries and one of the the interesting things when I first started teaching this was realizing that a lot of people were operating with this framework, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs in the background that if I, if I have food, water, shelter, and clothing, then my needs are met. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it took me a while in the first class to be like, why, why, why are we hashing out this idea of needs so bad? And then I realized like, no, that's not, the survival of your biological vessel is not the primary reason of your life. Mm-hmm. You have, you are a, a soul on an evolutionary journey. You're on a quest. You've been on a quest for millions of years. You'll be on a quest for millions more, you know, like we're, we're in this enormous, long, ongoing interrelated process. Your needs revolve around the essence of that quest in this lifetime. Like what are you here to be and to do? Your needs revolve around how do you secure your ability to do that in a life-giving way. So we talk about that in the work. We talk about your your dreams and your visions, and then we talk about how to secure the space to fulfill those dreams and visions. You know, what's it going to take on an energetic level inside? Like, how do you need to be oriented internally to do it? How do you need to navigate your relations to do it what kind of body posture do you need to be in you know like in the workshop a lot of times I'm like when you say your name say your name straightforward my name is Maitreya Wolf not my name is Maitreya Wolf because that's a question I'm not asking a question I'm telling you my name my name is Maitreya Wolf and when you talk to somebody if you're establishing a boundary especially stand up straight stand up straight if you're sitting, uncross your legs. If you're standing, spread your feet apart so that you're standing strong. And you can say 
no and mean it and have that be the end of the sentence. No. I don't apologize for it and all these other things. So, you know, we, de we deal with the pragmatic tools, like the embodiment tools, the tone of voice tools, the eye contact tools, all these other things. And then in a workshop, you know, you can't hash it out too much, but in um, working with a student, you can really get into the psychology that impedes or supports the creation and maintenance of life-giving boundaries, because this is the path of empowerment. <laughs> you know, empowerment for me means the ability to live your soul's purpose. Mm. You know, that's, that's empowerment, the ability to live your soul's purpose. And there are so many levels to that, you know, people would say like, well, what if, you know, what if you're a marginalized person and the, and the world is right against you and all these other things? And like, yes, of course, your circumstances are totally different. You know, the, the farther you get from straight white money having Christian male, like you're, you're just compounding your external challenges, the farther you get from that particular designation. But still, you always have what Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor, called the the choice of your spirit victor frankel tells this beautiful story of the the people who would walk through the huts in the middle of the winter in the concentration camp offering comfort to people and giving away their last piece of bread you know to to help somebody who was really hurting and he said they were few in number but their very presence affirmed the best of of the human spirit and that final reality that no matter what your circumstances are you can choose how you relate to your circumstances so you know empowerment is not a simple simple one stop or one line thing it's very dynamic and it always depends on the constellation of any given situation but you know it goes from learning how to orient yourself to secure your ability to fulfill your soul's purpose and also taking ownership of your world internally so that the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune don't define your well-being mm. or absence thereof which mm. is an enormous shift because we have uh, we live in a society in which we are relentlessly conditioned to give our power away to to external circumstances, and we're we're relentlessly conditioned to be offended by somebody, to be angry about something, to be afraid of something, to be blaming somebody or something for it. And this spiritual technology <laughs> you could call it this like very ancient very basic spiritual technology of taking ownership of your experience internally so that you say like i'm sitting in love in here i'm sitting in the truth of my soul in here regardless of what out here does that's empowerment as well mm, that's beautiful it's interesting you brought up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I actually use that as a tool to teach the importance of creating your foundation, mm -hmm. meaning that 
at least in my experience and with most people that I work with, without the attention to your vessel and to, you know, I do it through the elements, but it's the, you know, the body, the the basic like care of yourself yeah has to be there yeah with without that it's very difficult to ascend into doing higher you know empowerment work or boundary work or any of these kind of like higher level even feeling emotions is very hard when you're dysregulated and not feeling safe and not feeling supported in yourself and I think so many people come to you know plant medicine and psychedelics and spirituality so desperate and so poured out and so disconnected from this higher perspective from the consciousness of you know oh we're in an initiation like everything is happening for my benefit it's like they're sick and in order to become well we have to start with the very basic stuff you know, I always say like, this is not a complicated process. Integration is not a complicated process. It's very simple, but it takes your attention and your care and your love for yourself and your acceptance of where you are and what's, what's come before. And, you know, a really good sense of humor. I think (laughs) (laughs) if if you are in the side of an, an initiation and an initiatory consciousness, you have really come online to taking on more responsibility. Like you don't get to be a victim anymore. You don't get to blame other people. It's all about taking. If you want the empowerment, the empowerment comes with the responsibility of taking, you know, your own own sovereignty back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the deep wisdom of, of this path, whether you're doing it with medicine or whether you're doing it, you know, whatever path, all the paths leave to the same place, right? We're all going to the same place. We're all walking different directions, different, um, different things resonate. Um, but the idea of bringing ourselves into wholeness and, and it's not like none of this that we're talking about is a transformation into something else. It's a remembering of, you know, we already are empowered. We just forgot we already are initiated. We've just forgotten. Like, I think viewing it through the lens of returning to this wisdom and sovereignty that we've had in the past, that is our right. That's our birthright. We come with it. Our, our intuition is like preloaded. You know, we just don't know how to use it. We feel like you were saying, we're just constantly told that we don't have any of these things that we're just sort of like powerless consumers walking the earth, you know, walking the earth, the earth is not a living thing. This is something for us to conquer. Nature is not alive. Like all of these things, these ways of, of believing and relating with the world. I had no idea that it was otherwise because no one told me and I had no connection to teachers or, you know, I didn't have any other way. The only path that led me to finding this truth was through medicine Mm -hmm. and, and feeling very lost and, you know, alone and knowing deep inside of myself that something like you were talking about at the beginning, there's something you go past your limit and then there's something there. Mm -hmm. I always thought of it as this like 
tiny little fire, like the smallest fire that you could think of. And I found it and I was like, my only job is to take care of this fire. Mm-hmm. And so now my fire is like a raging inferno, but it takes, <laughs> it takes, <laughs> it takes a long, you know, it takes a lot of tending to get it to that point. So talk a little bit about sovereignty. What does, what does sovereignty mean to you? I really love that word. I've been embracing that a lot the last couple of years in myself. And I think it's such a power. It feels like a very queenly word. It's like my, the word of a queendom. And Mm -hmm. so what does that word mean to you? It means being responsible for my own life. Mm. And fully responsible for my own life, which is not to say that I exist isolated inside of my own influence because nobody does. And that's one of the um, distortions of new age thinking. And a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of maybe old age thinking, uh, in terms of old old dominant paradigm thinking about you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and live live on your own um, agency and everything else. You know we we are beings of relationship and life is a relational process. But sovereignty for me has to do with taking responsibility for and ownership of my life. And in terms of the work with my students, it's about supporting them to do the same thing from the inner to the outer. And I would say for myself, the inner is the easiest place to do that, to take full responsibility for my life. And the outer is my big learning curve. And I would say that most of my experience with my students is that the outer is the easier piece because it's so one plus one equals two in so many ways, but the inner is this extraordinary, mysterious endeavor to actually take full responsibility for yourself without becoming myopic or solipsistic and just isolating into your own um, narcissism. (laughs) (laughs) But sovereignty, yeah, it's just about taking full responsibility for your life. And it's it's you know kin to empowerment and it does have the connotation of royalty and royalty at its best is a state of responsibility to and for many mm-hmm. you know there's royalty like we've seen the abuse of power over thousands of years and you know and that's not just like a, a western white world thing that's been across the globe and all kinds of colors and places and everything else like people get into power and they they lose the compass of the heart it's a pretty common um conundrum of rising into power is that you rise into the power over instead of the power with but at its best a sovereign where it relates to royalty has to do with one who stands in a state of integrated wisdom as a service to the many. I think the the way that I understand all of this, if you are, the individual has to come online in yourself first, like you said, inner, and you have to do the work within yourself 
for yourself so that you can raise your own vibration, raise your own consciousness, expand, evolve in yourself so that it benefits the all. Because if it's just good for you and not good for the all, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's a really crucial piece there too of, you know, because your podcast has so much to do with psychedelics and the integration of the psychedelic experience. There's something, there's a conundrum at work in the psychedelic space that people want to go to that space for one of the many reasons that people want to go to that space is to go beyond the self, to go beyond the ego, to go beyond the identity and into the cosmos and into the eternal and into the ultimate, which is amazing to do. But if you don't have actually a grounded and integrated egoic structure and a, a self to have that experience, then that magnitude of energy can cause an extraordinary amount of damage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I found that for myself by being a 15 year old kid, like taking 10 strips on a regular basis. Woo! Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> that. I was, I was not sufficiently integrated to deal with the sudden launch into the cosmos. I wasn't integrated as a person. So like I could be out there and I was fine when I was out there. I was fucking stoked. That was great. That was my spot. I was good. But then coming back here, coming back here, being in relationship with my mother, mm -hmm. you know, going to to work because I always worked at my jobs or whatever I did, like having my relationships with whoever I was in relationship with or the times that I went to school. I didn't go to school much, but you know, the times I went to school and trying to like navigate that whole realm is like, it, I was, it, it compounded my dysfunction on the daily level because I had nowhere to bring that expanded consciousness back to and apply it in a life-giving way. It just deepened the schism between what, between different parts of myself. Mm -hmm. And it actually, I had to recover from it. And so for many, 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 many years as an adult, I didn't use any substances, none, because I just, I was afraid for one thing. And, you know, the psychedelic, it wasn't like <laughs> me 15, that was a very long time ago. And, you know, we didn't have this like burgeoning psychedelic world to, to like get into or lean on or read about or we didn't have google like nobody had no there was like phone none of that shit maybe <laughs> some kind of terrence mckenna book or some timothy leary and that was it it was like yeah if you knew if you knew that that existed and where to find right. it look for it like i didn't know i was just like kid i think i found be, be here now when i was <clears throat> 19 and it was so i was so grateful that i somebody had it at their house while i was on a mushroom trip or mdma or something and I just sat with that book and I was just like holding it like my baby. I was like, where have you been? Such a transmission. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That book is such a transmission. Yeah. But it's true. It's like, it's all happening now. It's like actually something that people, I remember my mom was like, I saw Anderson Cooper on CNN and he was talking about mushrooms. That's what y'all do. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she was so cute. She's like, I'm so, that's so exciting. I'm so happy they're talking about it on, you know, the news or whatever. And um, yeah, it wasn't like that. It was, it was very much 
a figure it out yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think most of us had any teachers who were initiated into any kind of traditions or I certainly didn't, I didn't, you know, start doing any intentional work with, with people who were until I was 40. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of experimenting and recreation and, you know, taking myself out into the mystery and not understanding what really was happening. But I think all of it too, kind of, that is an initiation, you know, doing mm-hmm. it without oh, yeah. any, doing it without any training wheels, <laughs> without right. any, idea. you know, we, we did it without any idea about how to do it well. And I think that's why so many of us at this, you know, at this age are coming into a place of wanting to ha- help people have a different experience, have a more supported experience with. All right. There's something I really want to speak to here because you just spoke, you just, uh, mentioned a really crucial point and I think I spoke to it earlier as well is that this there's this really fine differential between initiation and trauma Mm -hmm. and it's all in the orientation to the experience because the exact same experience can lead to either in in a given person based on how they relate to the experience and my my forays into psychedelics as a youngster I would say in the beginning they were intensely initiatory just by their by their own nature but because of my um, lack of integration as a person because I was so young and I was so rebellion was like my whole frame I was Mm. just like fuck off I'm doing my own thing uh, (laughs) I wish I had known you I bet we would have been friends (laughs) oh yeah I was just like don't fucking touch me don't bother me I'm doing my own thing get the fuck away from me (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know and it has its limits like it's potent but it has its limits and it has its very clear dangers you know so the the use of the substances got got compulsive and it got desperate Mm -hmm partly because there was a lack of integration there was a lack of understanding it was like there's this is crucially important but I can't carry it over (laughs) into my daily life so I don't want to be in my daily life I want to be there (laughs) instead and I see this in the modern psychedelic movement as well you know which is why you and me and others who help people ground it in the ordinary mm-hmm. where it matters the most on a certain level um are really hugely hugely influential because that's what makes the difference not the it's not that the the provider or the coach or something makes the difference between it but the lens that the the journeyer that the quester has on the experience is what makes the difference between trauma and initiation you know trauma being something that devolves you it like disrupts your integrity as a being it it like puts you in a state of devolution and initiating being something that evolves you it mm-hmm. fortifies your integration as a being it progresses you along the path and i'm gonna I'm going to just share a perspective I have because I'm watching, I live in Oregon and I'm watching this kind of steady march towards legalization or the way that they're trying to do it. And there's something that I want to just put out there 
into the world for people who are looking to this path is that one of the most important things that the psychedelic path can do in a person's life is reconnect us with the wonder of the mystery, especially in communion with nature. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these new endeavors, these state-sponsored endeavors, they're clinical. Mm-hmm. They happen inside in a chair with eye masks and earphones and yeah, and a clinician and an intake form and all this other stuff. And I just have to, I just have to presence that I, you know, I have my judgments about it on a lot of different levels. And I also recognize that people are looking for ways to make it accessible and whatever, but the, but the point is keep it wild. Mm-hmm. Keep it wild because a lot of what these medicines do is help bring us to our wild nature, which is the direct path to our sovereignty. Because when we live in these dissociated modes and society is a completely dissociated mode of living right now and deranged for it. When we live in these dissociated, dissociated modes of just the strictly human world, abstracted from nature it makes us crazy and it makes us easy to control easy to manipulate and easy to harvest energy from and life force and just you know plug us into the matrix and suck us dry until it's done and i really encourage people to (laughs) stay underground with it stay natural and stay close to the earth with it because that's one of the most profound healing aspects of the psychedelic experience is how it reintegrates us into the body of the natural world and the beauty the redemptive power of of the true frequency of beauty and the and the healing available there Mm, well said Sometimes I forget that because of my own experience has been so connected to nature and ceremony and like almost all of my medicine experiences have been outside since I started doing it in an intentional and therapeutic and ceremonial way. And sometimes I have to like remind myself that people are taking medicine in their bedrooms, <laughs> in their basements. And like, I forget that people are not having this connection with the earth. Like they're not recognizing the sacred life-giving force of the water and you know understanding the elements and how all of them come together and make these alchemies inside of us and that the earth is a like I remember when I realized that yes okay there's many living things that live on the earth but the earth herself is an ancient wise living being and everything that's happening on this she is in charge of that was such a mind-blowing realization for me. And I would not have had that if I hadn't been outside in her presence with ayahuasca and San Pedro, because those mountains in Ecuador where I did all of my original medicine journeys with those medicines was like holding me in this remembering. And it felt like a remembering, like a reconnecting to this thing that I already knew. And it was sort of like, oh yeah, how could I forget this? But that's the great trick, right? Like we've all forgotten 
And maybe we want to forget, like, maybe that's why we come into these bodies. Like the whole thing is a game that we forget. And like, how can we find our way back? You know, and look at all these crazy things we had to go through to find our way back. Well, everyone is, everyone is going home, you know, everyone is going home and no one's going to be left behind. And when I think about it like that, I feel very safe and happy with you know, I used to worry so much about like the state of the world and all of this. And now I don't, it's like all of this is in divine order. And this is, this is exactly where we need to be to learn and grow in the ways that we need to, and we want to. Mm-hmm. And I love that feeling because it takes all of this pressure off because not only are we disconnected from all of it, but we're also blaming ourselves individually for like, I need to solve all of this. <laughs> and it's like, mm, you can't you can't and it's pretty arrogant of us to think that we can fix everything it's like just fix what's in front of you work on work on moving your consciousness from your head to your heart that's all you have to do and then everything else in your life will align Mm. Mm. so tell me about your work my love (laughs) soul power (laughs) soul power mentoring Tell me about the work that you're doing with your students. Well, soul power mentoring is in an evolutionary process of itself. It is becoming the school of remembering. Ooh. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned earlier, the mastermind that we've done, I'm still in this mastermind and really deep in it with the teacher and continually refining 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 into what I'm actually here for and how I can be most effective Mm -hmm. as a teacher and a guide so what I've come to is the school of remembering which is a an evolutionary turn of this the wheel of soul power mentoring so soul power mentoring came from the realization that by and large people are living in a state of disconnect from the soul Mm -hmm. people are living mostly through the mind and through the mind as it is conditioned by external forces and not even through the mind as it is a sovereign being inside of, of the soul itself. And that being in that state of linear consciousness, especially, and, you know, I, I speak in, in terms of the U.S., right? The U.S. is a very particular reality you know it's a very very specific reality and it's a very reductionist dissociative linear reality very mechanistic and I being sensual and expansive and earth-oriented and naturally mystical I got to this realization that what I really what I really hunger for is to be surrounded by people who are rooted in soul Mm. as Uh their foundation for life Uh and so I started into my practice with that imperative of just helping somebody come home to soul and I do that in whatever way my toolkit will meet the student in the moment Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and in the beginning, it was very based in counseling, and I did a lot of um, trauma, trauma work because most people present with a a pretty extraordinary level of trauma at this point. Mm-hmm. And 
So I did a lot of trauma work for for a while, for the first good while of my practice. And then I started to have my own revolution. You could say like my my great wheel started to turn into shift phase a bit more so that I was not as much in the place of processing and integrating and harvesting the wisdom from my trauma. I had, I was coming to the place of having completed my initiatory phase, which doesn't mean more initiations won't come. It's just mm-hmm. this one. Just that turning of the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Just this one tremendous 15 year long process that I was in. <laughs> that one was done and when that one was done what I emerged as was not a counselor it was a teacher Mm. and the shift there is that in counseling it's it's comfortable to the medium to just stay in the pain body to just stay there and keep digging up more and keep processing more and keep getting into more. And, um, and I, as I came through the fulfillment and the fruition of my own endeavor through that territory, I got to the place of, um, I don't need to do that anymore. Mm. I don't need to process the past anymore. You know, there are times it comes up and I'm like, Oh, trigger wound, trauma, pain, body, whatever. But it's not, it's finished. The processing of it is is complete to a life-giving degree. Like I, I could work with more with it, but I don't need to. And so I came into the place of I have different needs. I have different needs at this point. Now what I what I need and want to do is really devote to a structure that reintegrates me into the body of the sacred in nature and the psyche and the soul and the mystery. So I developed curriculum there to invite people into that is based on progressing through a series of teachings Mm -hmm. instead of just processing the material of the past so that, you know, very integral and relevant wisdom, energy, information can be harvested from it. You know, now I'm in the place of like, Let's learn how to be stable as people, stable mm-hmm. and empowered as people. Let's learn how to live in a way that is integrated with the natural cycles of the world. Let's learn how to live in a way that is engaging with the evolutionary principle of a life consciously, deliberately, and intentionally. And we'll deal with what comes up along the way. We'll deal with what comes up along the way. So my focus has shifted from straight up counseling to wisdom teaching. And it's really exciting because the school of remembering is starting to welcome students and it's still happening on a one-to-one basis at this mm-hmm. point. So I, you know, I do my teaching through one-to-one mentorship over the course of nine months or a year. And what we do is practice different tools skills and techniques related to refining the consciousness and refining the energy system of Mm -hmm. the body the turboidal field of the body so that we can become coherent and integrated energy systems and then 
engaging with ritual practice through the pagan wheel of the year, which is my particular lineage or as close to it as I can find because I don't know my father. So I only know half of my story, but my roots are European. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the, I'm in the European pagan tradition. You know, one of the things that I am constantly having to explain with, with people about this process is it's not going to be what you're used to, which is, has no learning component. You know, people want to just do sessions or they want just coaching. And if you're working with someone who has something very valuable to share, you're going to have a curriculum component. You're going to have a learning component. And thank God, because, you know, what is the point of, of, having these huge experiences with, with medicine or with anything, any kind of, you know, it doesn't just have to be medicine, but the point is not to just sit and rehash the experience. You know, I saw this and I I actually don't in my circles and my group programs, I don't let, I don't really let people talk about the visual experience of their journeys because I don't think that it's relevant. It's, you can glean good information for yourself from that, but that is not the point. The point is to get a vision for your life. Like it's not about the visuals, right? It's about what the vision. Is, <laughs> yeah. What is the, like, what, what path is opening for you? Okay. And I think it's super important to find teachers that are giving this depth of work that it's not just sitting around in a circle talking about, you know, I learned this about my father and like those things, all of those realizations are super important and they're part of the journey. But like you said, at some point, excavating the trauma is no longer useful. What are yeah. you, what are you going to do with all of that? Because you yeah. can sit and spin on that wheel for a long time and without some kind of structure to move you forward, I think it's difficult to actually make progress in, you know, growing in, um, these kind of containers that we offer. So how can people find you? And and if they're interested in working with you, how do they connect with you? Mm. I have a website. Mm -hmm. The name is soulpowermentoring.com. I am on Instagram and Facebook as Maitreya Wolf. And if somebody wants to talk with me about the school of remembering one-to-one mentorship, they can go to my website and book a free consultation there. Nice. It's and I'll put all of these, easy. I'll put all these links in the show notes so you can find my Treya super easily. She is also a, a singer. Tell me about your singing. Oh yeah. I yes, I I sing. And I sing in the same way that I live (laughs) magically. And my songs come to me as beings and they reveal themselves to me. And then I apprentice myself to becoming a good steward for them in Mm. the world. So I sing in a lot of different ways. I received classical training as a child in a um, children's chorus at a prestigious conservatory in Boston. So I have this foundation from when I was very young of singing choral hymns in mm. a in a group of 50 children mm-hmm. and they were all in Latin mm. so I didn't 
know the language and I didn't care what they said because I wasn't Christian or Catholic. And um, so I, my first deep immersion in singing besides, you know, like singing along to whatever I liked at the time was this deep study of this very, very dynamic, very etheric, very otherworldly music that was just the movement of of sound like like flocks of birds in murmuration in this big gorgeous hall in this conservatory so when i started to sing I, my song the song of my soul emerged when i was an adult in the midst of the central trauma of my adult life and I just started to sing randomly at that point. I hadn't ever thought of myself as like having my own voice or being a singer or anything like that. I sang along to stuff and whatever, but it wasn't just, it just wasn't what I was thinking about. And, and then I had this trauma and I started to sing. And when I first started to sing, I, I was singing these songs that were so different that I was like, what the? What is this? <laughs> oh my god what is this? this is so weird and I fought it for a while because I was like no this is weird this is not good this is bad and the songs themselves continued to assert themselves in their own form and I started to grow into the capacity to surrender to them and to let them lead me and it has brought me to singing what I sing now, which defies description, but you can find it on Spotify and Apple and Bandcamp. So my album is called Fertile Darkness by my Treya Wolf, and you can just find it on the channels and check it out. And maybe Sinclair will put a link to it in the notes. And Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually really excited because I have not been, the music news has not been frontal for the last while while I've really been in this um crucible of becoming a teacher and uh, mm -hmm. you know that's been that's been my deep soul work at this point and recently I've joined this or you know I moved to this new place and I'm part of this new community and they're just like concert 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 please concert 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 so I'm like all right Beltane ritual concert we got it Ooh, nice that sounds yeah and I love these ritual concerts are really just powerful experiences of bringing people into a shared ritual space that is um, not uh, psychotropically altered, but mm -hmm. does alter mm -hmm. the people who are there and, you know, leading them through a non-denominational participatory ritual prayer for life with mm. the songs as the, the raft through the sea of the journey. Beautiful. Yeah, it's good. Is there anything, any other parting wisdom that you would like to share before we close our time together? Oh, yeah, there definitely is. The one thing that I want my students, my friends, my beloveds, myself, anyone to really fully understand is that you are the only you there will ever be the only one, and really, really to let that be known within you. In all of creation, you're the only one of you there will ever be. And it is important and beautiful and worthy of love and beauty 
and life just because it exists. And there's something that you bring into the world that has never been here before and will never be here again that only you can bring forward. And it's an exquisite gift, whatever this beautiful, beautiful treasure is. So please, please, please see it, love it, nurture it, and give it life as beautifully as you can because it matters and it belongs. Thank you so much, sister. That's, that's some deep wisdom. My trail wolf, magic spirit witch, (laughs) (laughs) pagan songstress. I'm so grateful to have spent this time with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your self and your wisdom and your understanding of, of how all of this is evolving. And if you're interested in connecting with Maitreya, check the show notes, Maitreya Wolf soulpowermentoring.com and I'll put all of her links you can find her on Instagram Facebook and she also teaches workshops pretty regularly so if you're interested in experiencing her teaching you can sign up for one of her art of boundaries workshops yeah I do lots of workshops and you can Mm -hmm. sign up for my email list at the first page on my website so you'll get all the all the notices and everything Awesome. Thank you, Maitreya. Yeah. And thanks everyone for listening. See you next time.